In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We welcome you this morning to Mayflower Congregational Church. We're glad that you've joined us on our virtual streaming service. I'm Jonathan White, and with Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, we're here as your interim ministry team. We're joined this morning by Dr. Julia Brown, our director of music, Scott Bosher, our chancel choir director, and our guest quartet this morning, and Marie Church, Deb Larson, Greg Berry, and Joss Liedesma. And as always, Pat McGuire is serving off-camera, keeping us on air and keeping us straight. Thank you, Pat. Last week, we debuted a Christmas cantata, Amal and the Night Visitors. We had a tremendous response with over 900 views. If you would like to view the recording, it will be on our website until December 31st. Also on our website is a chance to purchase a ticket for your family or just for yourself for tomorrow night's Mayflower at the Movies. Join us at Celebration Cinema North Drive-In for the holiday favorite, The Elf, or Elf, excuse me. Uh, the movie starts promptly at 5.30, so you might want to arrive a little bit early. Details are on our website, so be sure and check that out. We're excited for our coming Christmas Eve service. At 5 o'clock, we will have a live walkthrough. Just park on the lower lot, and with your family or by yourself or with your friends, walk through our driveway. We will have carolers. We will have animals. We will have a living crush. The pastors will be there to pass out a blessing, and then we will have a treat at the end. We hope it's a time when we can just see each other. Come any time between 5 and 6. Oh, we'll also be taking a special offering that night, and all, all donations will go to Bethany Christian Services. And now I would like to introduce Dr. Julia Brown for a word about today's music. When I moved to Grand Rapids two and a half years ago, one of the things I was told here at Mayflower is in December, all our choirs come together and we sing this Christmas tide. We've done it forever. We're going to continue doing it. Don't touch this tradition. Those wonderful traditions are important. Um, they're ways that we connect with this community. They're ways that we uh, go through each year remembering who we are and whose we are. And during this difficult year, pandemic, we tried to find a way that we could continue this tradition. So throughout the last two months, when we had choir members coming into the atrium to record uh, Amal and the Night Visitors, we also had them sing their part of this Christmas tide. And so today would have been the Sunday when we had all of our children and youth and chancel choir up in the chancel singing this. Um, today we have a quartet, a wonderful quartet from our choir, representing our full music program. So they will sing this Christmas tide, 
as you've never heard it before during our service. And then I invite you, there will be a link at the end of uh, the program today uh, and also on our website that you can click and go to the virtual performance of this Christmas tide. There you will see all the familiar faces, our children, our youth, our chancel choir, piano, organ, and even some handbells. And now I invite you, wherever you are, whatever your stage of faith, whatever political view you have, if you're doubting, if you're secure in your belief, if you've just tuned in, you're welcome here. We're the Congregationalist, and we want you. Let us continue as we light the candle of love. In a world where churches lie empty, doors are shut, and people are scared and confused, God, we call upon you to come. In a world where so many need to know how loved they are, El Shaddai, God Almighty, come. In this season of Advent, we wait for your loving presence to be felt in our lives again. We await the birth of Jesus, the Savior of all, who comes into our lives in a new way. Come, Messiah, come and save us. God, we pray that our faith may be renewed once again, and may we relive the wonder of your love in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.
people of grace and I need forgiveness. I forgot to mention that at 7 o'clock you can join us for the traditional service of carols and uh, word and we'll, we'll rebroadcast that again at 11. Uh, so you can worship with us virtually in addition to our live service as we walk through outside. And now if you would join me in the opening prayer. Like Mary, may our souls magnify you. Let our spirits rejoice in you, our Savior. You have done great things for us, and holy is your name. You have scattered the proud and brought down the powerful. You have lifted up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things. To you we give all glory honor, and praise. Amen.
first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke. In chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 26 and read to verse 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord, and the Lord will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, will we, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her. For nothing will be impossible without God, with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your will. Then the angel departed her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
second scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now is disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God of Advent, God who sends angels with important messages, help us to listen. Help us to receive the message you have for us today because we do not want to miss it. Amen. One day, when I was in high school, I drove myself to the record store at the mall. Remember those? Remember record stores? I'm seriously dating myself, I know, but I loved all different genres of music, and I would pace up and down the aisles of albums and posters and sometimes chat with the staff about the new releases or the classic must-haves. I also loved 
the bargain bins. These were often barrels of random cassettes with a set price on a sign, $3.99 or $4.99. Remember those? Remember cassettes? (laughs) I would take my babysitting money trying to find a discount gem. On this particular day, I was digging through the bins and came across a vintage cassette of Aretha Franklin's greatest hits. I did not have a lot of Motown in my little collection, and I was only familiar with her most popular tunes like Respect and Natural Woman. So I was eager to get to know the Queen of Soul a little better. When I went to the counter to pay, the cashier took notice of my selection, and she said, Nice! I must have surprised her with my throwback taste. I went back to my room and slipped the cassette into my little boombox, and I was transported to Spanish Harlem with a chain of fools, and I learned that love is a serious business, Dr. Feelgood. I played that tape so many times, it's embedded in the soundtrack of my high school years. What I did not know until I bought that tape was that Aretha had recorded her own version of the Beatles' classic, Let It Be. Hearing those lyrics sung in Aretha's amazing three-octave voice moved me. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to be, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Aretha, as a Mother Mary, imparting wisdom from her soul, let it be. There's been much speculation about the spiritual implications of the lyrics of this song. Was Paul McCartney writing about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Is there a deep spiritual insight we should be listening for? Most likely not. Beatles biographers write that Paul's mother died when he was 14 and she would visit him in his dreams, hence the penning of these lyrics. Let It Be remains one of the most popular songs ever written and recorded by the Beatles. Is one reason because of this nod to Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus? Do we crave at some level a reassurance from Mary that in our hour of darkness she's standing right in front of us? Maybe. What about her message to let it be? Would this be reassuring? Is this a term of comfort? When you think of this phrase, let it be, what comes to mind? Well, I'm reminded of one of my sons who, when he was very little, used to pick at his scabs. It drove me absolutely nuts because they took so long to heal. I would tell him to just leave it alone. Let it be. There's a directive in these words that's passive, a sense of don't rock the boat, don't stir things up, leave it alone, don't go there. As we turn to our scripture this morning from the book of Luke, we hear this phrase in a very different sense, don't we? This passage is famously called the Annunciation, another term for the announcement by the angel Gabriel that Mary was going to be the mother of the Son of God. Gabriel has some pretty shocking news. 
He tells her she's the favored one. The Lord is with her. Mary ponders this. She takes a moment. She considers. One author dubs this one of the most famous pauses in all of history. This word ponders is a translation of the word symbolusa, which also means to turn over again in one's mind and heart in order to face what is happening, either through life's experiences or God's revelation. One writer puts it this way. Symbolusa expresses a conclusion drawn from putting together or comparing diverse aspects of an event, a problem, or a situation and may best be translated as interpreting. How appropriate that Luke should choose these words to describe the interior activity in the heart of Mary in regard to all the prophecies about the Messiah which she had heard in the Old Testament scriptures. Since Mary was born into Judaism, she would have experienced the Hebrew scriptures both in prayer and in her life as an adherent to the Torah. She would have known both the law and the prophets. She would have been aware of the prophecy that the Messiah would be of the house of David and that Joseph, her betrothed, was from that line. There's a sense in which she is surprised, of course, by Gabriel's visit, yet she's also uniquely prepared. Now, Mary's normal. She's not particularly exceptional, not rich or famous. She's not any kind of influencer. Yet Gabriel visits her and tells her that she is the one. The time has come, and God is making the impossible possible in her body. Mary ponders. She interprets this stunning news, and she draws on her knowledge of the ancient scripture foretelling of the arrival of the Messiah. Gabriel sums up his outrageous announcement with the statement, nothing is impossible with God. And she responds, let it be. I want to suggest this morning that this phrase, let it be, is not a passive directive. Mary's let it be is an invitation for the Almighty to do the most incredible, outlandish, revolutionary thing the world has ever seen since its creation. The world is getting its rebirth through Christ's birth, and Mary is the host of this. Mary is the mother of this. Mary says, let it be. There are many ways in which our tradition has dismissed Mary as simply the vehicle for the arrival of the Savior or concluded that she is Mary meek and mild like an airbrushed figurine. In her obedience, maybe we have diminished her power and her stature. Perhaps we have pacified her let it be. In Luke's narrative, Mary is first a prophet. In her Magnificat, which was adapted for our opening prayer this morning, she sings a song that rocks the status quo and forecasts how her son will upset the balance of power. She knows the world will never be the same. As a prophet, Mary is answering a call, like the call of Moses in the burning bush and numerous others throughout the Bible. 
Writer Alice McKenzie attests that Mary's prophetic call follows the Old Testament's four-part pattern of prophetic commissioning. There's the call. There's the objection to the call. There's God's ignoring of the objection. And then God's final assurance that God will be with the prophet and the mission. For Mary, her call was delivered by Gabriel. And her objection came in her statement, How can this be, since I am a virgin? God ignores this objection. Okay, side note, Mackenzie writes, In the entire Bible, God never listens to someone's objection and says, Ah, you're right. You've convinced me you're not as qualified as I thought you were. I'll keep looking. (laughs) Then there is God's reassurance of commitment to the project. Gabriel makes sure that Mary knows the Lord is with her. The God of the impossible has her back. Mary's first prophetic call is to the motherhood of all motherhoods, to be the mother of Jesus. So Mary chooses to embrace this call to become a prophet who will bear the Savior of the world in both voice and body. Mary's consent is certainly an act of great faithfulness and belief. But interestingly enough, her call continues as she grows into another phase of calling, to be a disciple. In accepting this promise, Mary becomes the first to believe the good news of Jesus. She bears her son, then follows him. She becomes the first disciple, the first prophet, the first proclaimer of Jesus when her body nurtures a baby who will turn the world upside down. In the first chapter of Acts, there's Mary, a faithful disciple who has borne witness to the most miraculous birth ever, the most tragic death, and then the most astonishing resurrection. Did Mary have any real idea of what her let it be would unleash? Maybe. Probably not. But when Gabriel stated, nothing will be impossible with God, Mary said, let it be. She answered the prophet's call and had a front row seat to know the most amazing person and the most amazing movement the world has ever seen. Guess what? We do, too. God chose human flesh. God chose Mary to deliver Jesus into the world. God still chooses human flesh as a place of God's dwelling. Each one of us can be considered, oh, favored one, the one in whom God dwells. In our humanity, we are the vessels. We can ponder this, and we can choose to say, let it be. Bring it on. Mary went from, how can this be, to let it be, and we can too. There is nothing in the text that speaks to Mary's worthiness in her normalcy. We can be assured that this invitation is not only for some people or special people. God favored her. God favors you. We are loved. We are invited. So here's the choice. Is our let it be passive or active? Is our posture to this invitation 
ah, just leave it alone? Or is it, okay, bring it on? Do we accept the word from God that the incarnation has come? Jesus is here in us. And the world will not be the same because of our role in it. As we radically love a broken world and embrace those on the margins, and we work toward the redemption, reconciliation, and restoration of all things, we are following Mary's pondering. We are following her action, her example of how to say yes to God. She did not think she was anyone worthy, yet when Gabriel told her otherwise, she engaged. She stepped up. She changed the world. Mary's legacy is unparalleled and begs the question for us, what is our legacy? The passage we read this morning from Romans 16 is a doxology. Paul is closing his letter with a liturgy of praise to God. Paul calls us to tell our stories of how God's love has been catalytic in our lives, how we are living a doxology of praise, a legacy of praise. One commentator writes, We are talking about living for God in the full, no- full knowledge that one day we will die. It may sound like an odd message for late December or an inappropriate message in the middle of a pandemic, But for what end did God choose to take on our flesh and enter our story, except to show us the life that is really life? One writer states, Mary is neither spineless nor mindlessly obedient. She is not forced to bear Jesus. She ponders. She questions the angel. She wonders, how could this be? In the end, she says yes to God, not because she has to, but because she wants to. In the process, she does not lose herself, but becomes more of herself. Like Mary, we can follow Jesus while still having fears and questions. But furthermore, if Mary is more like us, can we become more like her? And in so doing... Can we become more of ourselves by inviting Christ to dwell in us? The announcement made by Gabriel to Mary is the same for us. We are favored. The Lord is with us. We are the ones who host the Christ in us. This is quite fantastic. Let it be. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, Amen.
As we lit the candle of love, let us rejoice in the gifts that have allowed Mayflower to keep functioning during this time of pandemic. Yeah. 
Let us pray. Eternal One, we thank you that you give the gift of abundant eternal life. You have said that you are a good creator who gives us good gifts. Your generosity overflows to us. Everything we have is a gift from you. As we bring our offerings to you, we give back to you from the abundant blessings you have given us. May our gifts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and strength be unto you, our God, forever and ever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now, on this last Sunday of Advent, I ask you to unite your heart with our hearts as we pray. Let us pray. Creator of all humanity, we call you holy and seek to worship you all the days of our lives. We pray that the ways of your heavenly kingdom 
may be made real in the world that surrounds us. May the bread we need today be available for us to all who are hungry. May you forgive us just as we can forgive those who have sinned against us. In the time of moral testing, may we listen first for your voice calling to us instead of the call of the world. Take from us the self-centeredness of our society. This world and all that is in it always has been and always will be yours. God of hope, you call us home from the exile of selfish oppression to the freedom of justice, the balm of healing, the joy of sharing. Make us strong in your holy work as friends of strangers and victims, companions of those who others shun. And as the happiness of those whose hearts are broken. strong yet tender care. Come and show your people the way to salvation. O sacred Lord of ancient Israel, who showed yourself to Moses in the burning bush, who gave him the holy law on Sinai Mountain, come stretch out your mighty hand and set us free. O flower of Jesse's stem, You have been raised up as a sign for all peoples. Rulers stand silent in your presence. The nations bow down to worship you. Come, let nothing keep you from coming to our aid. O radiant dawn, splendor of eternal light, son of justice, come shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. O ruler of the nations, the only joy of every human heart, O keystone of the mighty arch of humankind, come and save the creatures you fashion from the dust. O Emmanuel, ruler and lawgiver, desire of the nations, savior of all people, 
come and set us free, Lord our God. join me in the words of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
from all of us here at Mayflower, we deeply, deeply wish for all of you to have the most blessed Christmas ever. And as a benediction, may you this Christmas be astounded by the reality that nothing is impossible with God. May you welcome the Christ who lives in you. And may you embrace the opportunity to be like Mary, both prophet and disciple. And may your heart sing the words, let it be. Amen. Thank you.